Here, here we, we go. Go, 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 Again. Oh, yeah. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. We are your hosts, Nate. J-O-N. And Brandon. And boys, today. We are going to get you guys set up with our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night Austin uh, with the much-anticipated main event matchup of Armand Tarukian versus Benil Dariush. And then all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts, including the major announcement of PFL's ac- acquisition. I have a hard time saying that. Acquisition. Acquisition. It's like uh, my tarantula for John. Yeah, tarantula. Uh, PFL's acquisition of Bellator MMA, all that and more. But first, boys, how are we doing? Episode 160 of the Neon Belly Podcast, or Brandon, as some people are calling it, the number of years since the Gettysburg Address episode of the Neon Belly Podcast. Mm. Actually, just about a week past the anniversary date of November 19th, 1863, but that is neither here nor there. Uh, Either way, we're just glad you guys are listening in. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, I'm excited. I take you? stock of those usually <laughs> <laughs> the different episodes. I like that one, Oliver. One day I'm going to make you listen to 160. How are we Why doing? Is that important? <laughs> yeah, it's the, it was the almost 100 or 160 year anniversary. Um, would have loved to have been around back then. Mm. Uh, went down a little wormhole the Gettysburg Address this week in honor of that. Um, and there is pictures actually of Lincoln giving that speech. So mm-hmm. if you want to go look that up. Um, was it him? Not sure. There's some pictures that, you know, people think, well, maybe that wasn't Abraham Lincoln. Um, I seem to think it is. I pulled a penny out of my pocket and I confirmed mm. based off the data and research that it was Abraham Lincoln giving the Gettysburg Address. Did it help you sleep better once you, little bit. you know, got that worked out? Cause yeah. I can, I can, you know, that can be on your head for a while. I can tell you what did make me sleep better. And that is all the food that I've consumed <laughs> for now, almost 72 hours, boys. I, Went to the the football game, the Purdue game yesterday, and on the way home, I told my wife, I said, I just think I'm done eating. Like, it, yeah. you know, it, fast. well, yeah, it's like, you know, Friday, you know, Thursday, you eat, Friday, roll in. I love leftovers. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's one of my favorite parts is eating the leftovers. Um, but we took home so much leftovers that then Saturday, and it's like, what are we going to do? You know, you want to cook? You want to go get food? No, we'll just dive back into the leftovers. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm just burned out Dude, on grocery prices right now yeah you gotta I mean, run those till they're gone <laughs> even just going out to eat i mean fast food is almost 25 dollars now for two people it's just unfreaking mm-hmm. real right now um so yeah i'm a little burned out but how was your guys' thanksgiving good i had we had a fried turkey which i told you guys like i, did I, too. I, I have to have something a little special with the turkey it was probably one of the best turkeys we've had i have a great update on that oh yeah so i hate turkey i think i said this last mm-hmm. week not a turkey guy yeah. So we're at my mom's and she's like, uh, do you want to try the turkey? I said, no, I don't, I don't like turkey. And she just like would not let the turkey go. And she's like, I just want you to try it. So I'm like, all right, I'll try it. The best turkey. I ended up getting like a major slab of it. Mm. Um, she fried it and injected it. Which nice. injected it with? I don't know. Something. But let me tell you. Secret sauce. I mean, and it was like butter. Like mm-hmm. it was tender. It was juicy. Yep. And oh, the best. I was like, yeah, serve me up that right now. Yep, good yeah, stuff. Can't beat that. Fried turkey. I had a good Thanksgiving myself. Um, unfortunately, Thursday was up super, or Wednesday night was up super late grating cheese because we tried a new mac and cheese recipe. Yeah. And you got to hand grate that stuff. You use the pre-shredded. It's got like waxy stuff on sure. it. Sure. 
but it was really, really good. Had some Gouda in there, some sharp cheddar. Love some Gouda. Dude, it was really great. So famously, John, we have to ask. We've asked you every year. You answered every year. Um, who won the battle of families this year? Was it your mom's cooking or your now uh, fiance, future mother-in-law's mm-hmm. cooking? Who who won Thanksgiving this year in your book? Yeah, I, st- I st- got to stick with mom, man. Yeah. She comes through with all the classics. So what is what is your future mother-in-law missing? What is she lacking in the kitchen department? Mm, probably just making the same food I've been eating since I was a little kid. It's nostalgia, dude, always <laughs> no, wins. Like, <laughs> we, got, we got to go above nostalgia, though. But, but can like, you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, like, not nostalgia. I'm talking, like, pure pure taste buds like when you're when your taste when the, when your taste right hit your tongue but what i'm saying is i've been eating this so long as it's my preferred palate okay but was there a difference in menus like no i mean they were pretty similar right so your mom just, just cooks it better so no I'm the saying, way she makes it is more right, palatable right, for better. what i'm used to eating it's better for you so what is your future mother-in-law missing what does she not do she's like a little short if on the salt just, and pepper maybe? no it's just it, i'm used to this way so it works out for me oh, that has nothing to do with not, like that's not, no yeah. it, but it's how it's made is how it's always been john, made in my life listen, so that's my palate john john john, john. You watch food food reviews, yeah. Like just like me, we all watch food reviewers. This is terrible. You know, this is not how you review something. It's apples and oranges, man. No, that's not. That's you're trying to play. That's you're playing it safe. Who that's would watch a few? Who would watch? You know, dang, it's Dwayne or dang, it's Wayne. If he's like, you know, apples to oranges. No, you need to know who wins the battle and why. Sorry, I just told you who won. It's my mom. Yeah, but not because it's and it's because it's the way she's always cooked. So that's what my my food palate is. I need more. Is it possible for your future mother in law to make it the way you think your mom does? Yeah, for sure. How would she do that? Yeah, how just would you ask go? my mom how she makes no, it? No, what is it missing? <laughs> it's just the way they cook is different. So your mom just cooks better. No, she cooks different. But but it's but better. Yeah, because you said you. she's better. It's better for how I've ate. Yeah, for yeah, her. It's for better, my palate. Better for you. But her food is really good. Her mom. She, yeah, it's really you, great desserts. My mom doesn't do desserts. My mom's so she so she wins the dessert. Battle. Yeah, easy. But I still want to know what she's missing in the kitchen. Mm, probably like my grandma's essence. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> I mean, I just could not think of a more coward way out of this. No. I think you're starting to see a sweat bead for him. No, I mean, I'm fine. <laughs> so I'll tell you, like my mother-in-law, you know, their family, the seasoning is just never there. It's it's never off. I don't think the ingredients are exactly right either. Um, you know, it just never, it's just not there in, in terms of like what you need as like a good meal, you know, yeah. they just don't go as deep. I think and like, like they're not going to inject, inject a turkey, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and the spread's just not as like good either. Yeah. So. I don't have that issue though. Her mom cooks really good food. My mom is just how I'm used to having. Like when I think of Thanksgiving I mean, food, it's my mom's food. This is an absolute. I'm sorry, problem. I don't hate my future mother-in-law's food like you do. That's no, not even what it's about. No, it's not about that. I'm not. I, I mean, I eat over there. I don't hate it. Hate's a very strong word when there's people I mean, you didn't starving say, on the other side. You of the didn't world. say anything positive about it either. Yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, there's. It's hot. It's warm. It's edible. That's good stuff to say mm, about something like that's that. That's prison food too. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, that's just like a really coward way to start this episode. I mean, say what you want, but. That's my answer. Hmm. All right. Well, I can edit it however I want. I mean, so go ahead. I mean, at the end of the day, I can edit the audio too. You definitely said your mom's is better, which yeah, is fine. I, I did. I appreciate that. I I'm just, consistent. Just need to know a little bit more now, in detail. Just where I'm at, man. Well, you can keep it locked away, and then just it's not locked away. Now, I gave, now, I gave I, you my answer. Now I feel like your future and mother-in-law, if she ever does hear this, is going to be like, because you're just not putting it out there. So now she's going to be like, well, what's wrong with me? Like, what am I doing? And because I said, there's nothing not wrong. I just have a preference. There's no good advice. Being like, you need feedback. You I know? don't have a problem with her food. Sure, but I just what what if that was the lacking? only Thanksgiving food I had? I'd be like, okay, cool, great Thanksgiving. Ah, mm. Coward. Mm. Say what you want. 
with that, boys, I could go all day on John's candy ass because he's a fruit. But about it. I just don't understand. You're why just not going to convince me to break because you don't have that. There's type no of breaking. Influence. That's what you wanted me to do. I but think it's your not answer happening. is like the essence of breaking. You're, no, you're it's refusing, definitely not. You're refusing yeah. to like. No, I did further. give answers. There's no break. You've yes, already said your mom's is better. I'm yeah, and you just why. keep pushing, and I'm telling you the same thing every I'm just, time. I'm just asking why. I told you. Yeah, nostalgia and essence preference. Uh, Brandon, race up, follow. We got to get to our picks. Uh, race up, follow. Listen, obviously, as you guys can tell, the last five minutes has been fantastic. This is what we offer. So you can give us some some follows on all our social media. You can catch us on X. You guys have not corrected me. The past, like, eight times I've done this. Because I, I, I don't, feel, I don't feel good about saying it. I would still call it Twitter. Okay, yeah. well, I usually call it Twitter. I realize it's not <laughs> you can Twitter or whatever. whatever. Um, we're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. We also can be followed on Apple Podcasts. You can give us five stars. Written reviews as well. What else are we on? We're on Spotify. You can give us five stars on there. Catch us on all those platforms. We have some great content. Give us some follows. Absolutely. And the live shows are coming back, can mm-hmm. confirm, uh, in 2024. Um, the bad thing is we just have one pay-per-view left, and I believe it's next week. I'm looking that up right now. That's crazy. Um, I know, man. Or No, 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 it's not. It's it's further out than that. Uh, it is, yeah, December 16th. So we just have you know a couple things that we're, we were actually just discussing before we started that we want to do, things that we need to work out a little bit. Um, and it's just kind of like we could do it, but to force it, to rush it, is just not worth it. But... Uh, live shows will be coming back more YouTube content Mm -hmm. Um, so definitely make sure you're tapped into YouTube and it's going to be like YouTube exclusive content as well Um, so make sure you're hitting us up on there right now and we do upload all our clips there as well Mm -hmm. so you know if you're more of a YouTube person that's a fair enough place to look at it as well if you don't make it to Instagram or uh, TikTok or whatever. Uh, but, boys, let's get in massive, massive card uh, this Saturday, uh, December 2nd. Um, it's kind of crazy to say that we're already in December. I like, <laughs> where did these last, like, four months go? Uh, we have a main card start time of 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, and it is live from the Moody Center in Austin, Texas in our main event, boys. We have a bit of a title eliminator of sorts, I think, with number four, uh, Benil Dariush versus number eight, Armand Sarukian. Um, and let's first look at Dariush, who's coming in off a first round TKO loss to Charles Oliveira back in June. Uh, that loss snapped what was an eight-fight win streak for Dariush. And had he won that fight against Charles Oliveira, he would have been the one scare- squaring off against Islam Mahakshev last month at UFC 294. Uh, so he's going to be looking for a big win here over Sarukian to get back in title contention while Sarukian is looking to inject his name into the title picture for the first time and Sarukian comes in boys on a two fight win streak and has won seven of his nine UFC fights his only losses were to current champ Islam Mahakchev in his debut in Mataj Gamrat last year so not an easy guy to beat. Really curious to see who you guys have winning this main event um, because I think these guys are very, very closely contested in this match. And we will start with the guy who's probably going to finish in last place at this point, and that is Your boy's John. barking on second right now. Let's get, let's get that clear. But so proud. Uh, this fight has potential to go two different ways. Uh, I think it'll either be similar to a replay of the Darush Gamrot fight where Benny was able to stuff takedowns, constantly work his way back to the feet, and... Um, I think he could punish Armand with the standing there. But I also believe that Sarukian has slicker stand-up and better stand-up than Gamrot. Um, Gamrot has really good straight strikes, but I think Sarukian has way slicker as far as getting inside, throwing more kicks, um, things of that nature. But I think he'll be able to land enough clean strikes to work in takedowns of his own and grind on Darush as well. 
Um, I think if Armand can use feints, especially feints with his takedown, because if you watch the Gamrot Darush fight, um, Benny was doing a lot of really hard sprawling, getting his hands down to try to um, stuff those takedowns. And I think if um, Sarukian can use those to get him to drop his hands and opening up some face strikes, I think he could really um, open it up for Sarukian. Um, I think he'll still have to stay away from Darush going under the leg, kind of how he did against Gamrot as far as attacking the leg to use that to sweep but also have his defense up because uh, Joaquin Silva definitely caught Sarukian with a really big right hand in their last fight. So he'll have to be careful of that because I feel like if Benny can land that, he does have the ability to finish those type of situations where he's rocked. But overall, I feel like Armand has the ability to push the pace. And um, I don't think he'll find a finish because Darush is really hard to finish, but I do have Sarukian by decision. It's crazy you say how hard Darish is to finish. He's coming off that first-round knockout loss to Oliveira, right? Yeah, but um, Oliveira so, finishes a lot of people. Yeah, but that's kind of the thing for me. So I agree with the Saruki and Gamrot com- comparison, right? They're so similar. Their fight was massively close, split decision, which I think Sarukian won. Um, but I'm hoping that Sarukian was able to take some notes off Gamrot's uh, loss, I should say, to Darish. Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, he's a bit... I think he's a bit more tentacle on the feet than Gamron as well. But I think the biggest thing for me, why I'm, why I'm leaning Sarukian here, I think I think Dariush has the ability to scramble with Sarukian. I think they're both fairly well matched on the feet. I think Dariush probably hits harder. I think I think if one of them is going to land a knockout or TKO, it's going to be Dariush. But I just think when you come off a first-round knockout loss like that to Oliver and you're thir- 35, right? I think that's a little Dariush. 34, that's crazy. Um, I just wonder what that loss is going to do if it, I wonder if it's going to take something out of Darius here. So I'm really mm-hmm. interested to see how he recovers to this against a guy like Sarukian because it's not a guy coming off a first-round knockout loss that you're super happy to see across from you. So I'm taking Sarukian here. What did you say? Decision. That's a good pick. Um, I'm going to go with – this is five-round fight. Mm-hmm. I think he can get it done maybe even late. I'll go with fourth-round TKO. Yeah, it's tough, too, because Sarukian just seems like a generational talent. But when you look at his UFC run, you know, so far, six of his nine wins have come by decision. Um, and we've seen him face tougher opposite uh, when we've seen him face, I mean, tougher opposition like Dariush. Uh, the judges usually are called into action uh, for Sarukian. And my problem with that for him in this fight is Benil has never lost a decision. Mm-hmm. He's 9-0 and in decisions in his career. Um, now, that also means that all of Dariush's losses are finishes uh so i do think uh sarukian can finish him here um especially seeing benny as brandon mentioned coming in uh off a fight where we saw him finish and beat up pretty bad as well by charles Oliveira. um and i think even more so for me i just didn't like where benny seemed to be heading into that fight you know something Mm -hmm. just seemed a little off to me you go back and um watch those embedded it's almost like he just really didn't want to be there um and i don't necessarily think he's at a point where he's fading or you know or incapable of competing at uh, this level. That's why I found it so weird. You know, I, I feel like I remember him saying something in the or after the fight about, uh, you know, this being in Canada and like, you know, let's run it back in the U.S. or something. Like, I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like I remember something about that. Um, but it just, I just remember him seeing very disinterested. Um, and I feel like that kind of is what we saw in the cage. I feel like it kind of played out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know um, some of that is just who Benny is, right, and his personality. Um 
But yeah, it just seemed a bit off. Uh, but even if not, you know, I think we're truly looking at, like I said, a generational talent with Sarukian, who is capable of winning this fight in many different ways. Benny usually has a grappling advantage that I don't think he'll have here, if I'm mm-hmm. being honest. I actually think Benny's best bet is to go in and just try to make this an ugly dog fight and get Sarukian all out of sorts and out of whack. Um, and I could see that for him. Uh, the five-round aspect will be interesting as well. You know, Sarukian has only been five rounds once in his career, um, and it was his loss to um, Gamrot, but Benny has also never been five rounds, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, so how does he hold up, you know, if we do see championship rounds, which I do think we will. I love the Sarukian by decision as well. Um, I think that's a good pick there. Um, but I'll switch it up, and I will say fourth round submission for Arman Sarukian. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go sub too, but you'd have to go back to like 2015 to find the last person to sub Benny. So it's like a, you just don't know if he'll be able to pull that off. Yeah, it just depends where it plays out. Like I think if they get down on the ground and, you know, start scrambling around, like, kind of like what Brandon was saying is that I think Sarukian is going to be able to outscramble him and maybe just land in a better position there. But... I'll have to look the pass quick. It's, it's going to be... Yeah, I, just I think that was Gamrot's fault as he was staying too much in guard and uh, I think Benny was able to work more to getting up quicker. And I yeah. think if he would have passed quicker, he would have had a little bit more a chance to hold him. So I think Saruki Gamrot's just a do whole that. different beast on the ground, though. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing with Gamrot. I mean, he is just an animal uh, down there on the floor. And spam, spam, spam. Yeah. Spam. Yeah. And I mean, you're just talking high level jujitsu mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, I, I do like Saruki in here, man. I, I really feel like he goes and gets it done. I, the I, only thing that scares me is the Silva, that, that right hand that he landed that wobbled yeah. him. Really bad had him on his on bad legs. Well, and and that's what that's why I said I I, I could see that for Benny. I mm-hmm. can see him catching him like if he just goes in. Like think about like the Dracar Klaus uh, finish mm-hmm. for Benny. Like if he goes out and pulls something like I mean, well he can if he can you know go out and make it that sort of fight where I mean in a true Benny fashion he's gonna have to eat a couple just to look for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think he's capable of pulling that off. It's just. When you're picking with what you got, it's like I, I can't not go yeah. with Sarukin because I just feel like right now he's the better fighter and and probably a little bit more motivated, if I'm being honest, at mm-hmm. least from how it appears. Right. So uh, we are going to pick for four total fights, boys. Uh, so the next one is our new UFC Austin co-main event as number 13 Bobby Green will now take on number 12 Jalen Turner Um, and if you don't know it was announced this past week that Bobby Green's original opponent Dan Hooker was forced to withdraw uh, from the bout due to re-injuring his arm Uh, so stepping up on less than two weeks as Jalen Turner and I actually, we can start there. I have to say, I am probably more excited for this matchup than the original. And seeing, you know, that I didn't even realize the rankings as far as them being 12 and 13. Why wasn't this the original matchup to begin <laughs> with? Like, it just makes so much more sense Well, it's probably coming off of a loss compared to coming off of a win for Bobby Green. I guess that's fair enough. And that and that's true. And then Dan Hooker did just beat Jalen mm-hmm. Turner. So I guess that that's a fair argument. Um, I'm not sure if you guys agree with that or not, but I, I love this matchup here. Why specifically are you more excited for? I just feel like, because man, I'll be honest, even going back, and I'll probably, I think I probably have it somewhere in my notes for my pick, is even going back to that Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner fight, it's like, I'm okay with saying Dan Hooker won that fight, but um, I've, even going back for for Jalen Turner, the Metallurgy game, Rod, it's like, man, these are just two split decisions that mm-hmm. he arguably could have won both. I do, I I feel like the Metallurgy game, Rod, he did win. I, I still feel that way. I'm okay with the Dan Hooker win over that. But even watching that, it's like the things that Jalen Turner was able to do in that fight to Dan Hooker is like, if that wasn't Dan Hooker, 
right. being Dan Hooker. Like a lot of guys the go out. He ate, I mean, that head kick, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like that, just nobody eats that but Dan yeah. Hooker. So credit to him. Like he did deserve it. Um, but I just think it's interesting. Maybe it's just more because I'm just more interested in Jalen Turner. Like mm-hmm. obviously the specimen that he is and the fact that he can make, I just love watching him fight. Right. Um, so maybe I'm just more interested in him per mm-hmm. se. But I think in terms of the division, it's like this makes more sense. Like a young guy. Even though coming in on the two losses, obviously, which we'll get to. But, yeah, I just like the matchup more. I think mm-hmm. it's more exciting. I was ready for the violence that I thought yeah. Hooker and Bobby Green was going to bring. I, I don't know if that'll be the same here, but we'll just have to see how the fight plays out. Let me go ahead and jump into my... No, I got to run do the rundown. Oh, okay, go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, I mean, this is with the violence thing. I'm like, man, I, I don't feel like you're really losing anything with the Turner replacement. Like, I get what you're saying with Hooker, but I just think Turner's just as capable. Especially on... Like, the short mm-hmm. notice to me yeah. is a big kind of... Uh, aspect in three fight. rounds instead of five. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and the thing about Turner too is like Turner is a guy that stays in phenomenal shape. He's a skateboarder. Um, he's always shredded. He's always ripped. You know, he's always skateboarding, which requires a certain amount of you know conditioning as well. So. Again, it's probably in my notes, but no, I'm not too concerned here for him in mm-hmm. that regard. Uh, but let's do a quick rundown and start with King Green, who will be fighting for the fourth time this year. Um, he is technically unbeaten so far this year with the one no contest against Jared Gordon earlier this year. Uh, but he comes in on back-to-back wins and finishes over Tony Ferguson and Grant Dawson, uh, who he just beat last time out in a stunning uh, 32nd first-round knockout. And then you have Jalen Turner, the 6'3" freak of nature that somehow have no idea how this guy takes a middleweight frame into 155 pounds, but he does. Uh, despite missing the mark last time out, we do have to mention that. He is coming in off back-to-back losses as well as mentioned to Gamrot and Hooker back in July. Uh, both losses, uh, as I said, though, really close split decisions, but losses nonetheless. Um, and I just, again, I think getting back to the matchup aspect is um, why I find it more interesting is with Jalen Turner, He's looking to avoid three straight losses for the first time in his career, and he's hanging on to that top 15 ranking. And then you got Bobby Green, who's looking to make it three straight wins, um, and he's going to continue to try to climb these UFC rankings. Um, and very interested to see who can kind of get it going. Because if Bobby Green, or dude, if Bobby Green goes 3-0-1 this year, and, it, and somehow maybe ends up in the top 10 rankings of the lightweight division, finishes, it's like what a story that would be. But likewise for Jalen Turner to turn his get his career going back up mm-hmm. here, and it would just be, it's just a big spot, big fight. Um, and then you got the last minute nature of it, which is always makes things a bit spicy. So let's now get to our picks, John. Who you taking? Alrighty, I, I think that with the the upset over Grant Dawson, um, it's uh, I think that it's hard to decide where Bobby Green is in the division because the Tony Ferguson felt like oh you beat Tony Tony Ferguson, you know, but a lot did of what he should have done right. against a guy like Tony. that's that's the one thing that I think stands out to me with the Ferguson. It's like you can say what you want about it, Tony Ferguson, right. but it's not like he wasn't impressive and just kind of dominating. No, Tony for sure. Ferguson. But I do remember afterwards us being like, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, in this division, you know, what what does a win over Tony Ferguson do in terms of, you know, trying to get back to a title shot or whatever? And then the Grant Dawson fight happens and we're looking at somebody who we looked at as and still very much is a young prospect that, you know, was running through people. And for him to pull that off, he has to have probably the most confidence in the world right now in, in terms of that. Um, what is undeniable about Bobby Green, though, is his boxing and his willingness to fight anyone, anywhere. Um, Jalen Turner had some really tough fights, like you talked about with Hooker and um, Gamera. 
shot, which he didn't look bad in either, but just came up short. But I do like Turner's reach and lengthy strikes in this matchup with Bobby Green, who likes to keep his hands down and take chances and use his head work. Um, I think Turner will keep him just out of boxing range. And I think he also has some really sneaky submissions as well if he needed to. But I think Jalen has to stay out of range. And if Bobby closes, he needs to use his clinch and not allow Bobby to get off uh, combinations. But ultimately, I think Jalen will pick at green from a distance and drop him. But I do have him winning by third round sub. Yeah, so again, I kind of agree with John as far as the frame, right? I think Turner is going to present a lot of problems for Bobby. He was a predominantly uh, boxer in, inside the cage. I think that Turner is going to be able to keep distance fairly well, especially if he can implement his kicks like up the middle and start throwing some leg kicks. But the grappling as well, I just think Turner has more tools. Um, I think I can see him finishing. My, my pick is second round submission. Um, but I also have a little bit of concern with this being short notice for Turner as far as like the weight. I know he's missed weight before, so I'm curious to see if he makes it again. Yeah. Coming off of a Thanksgiving week, and all that stuff so we'll be curious to see how that plays out but um as far as the fight itself i just think i would have leaned bobby had hooker still been in there i think that's a better fight for bobby honestly um but i just think the size for turner's just really plays against bobby's style here so i'm taking turner by second round sub yeah thankfully he accepted the fight uh pre thanksgiving festive so hopefully he <laughs> postponed the festivities for yeah. two weeks uh yeah i think i need to preface too by saying for my pick is i never uh, get Bobby Green right That's true. and I think after his last fight I'm even more afraid than ever of being on the wrong side <laughs> of a Bobby Green fight um, and it makes it so hard to pick against him here especially given the last minute nature of the fight right because that is a big aspect of this and it's important to remember um, that as John mentioned earlier he was training for this five round war against mm -hmm. Dan Hooker um, and this is now just three rounds which means you know as long as he's in shape and did the work accordingly he's gonna be able to sprint through this fight and we saw Turner fade really badly in that last fight against Dan Hooker in that third round. Um, but I am ever so slightly going to lean Jalen Turner here as well. Uh, it's just hard to pick against him, you know, in this matchup with the size and reach, as you guys mentioned, especially against a guy like Green, who John also mentioned, just keeps his hands so low at his sides. And he really relies on that counter striking and head movement to bail him out. Um, and he's been successful at times with that style uh, and it's paid off, but um, it's also failed him a lot of times as well. You know, you go back to that Drew Dober fight. Um, I do wish we were making these uh, picks after the weigh-ins uh, because if Turner has another rough cut, I mm -hmm. probably would pick Bobby Green. Mm -hmm. You know right. what I mean? If we're sitting here on Friday and Turner misses weight or looks really bad on the scale, um, I'm surprised Jalen Turner accepted it at 55 on such short notice. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like if anything, you have a case here to say like 165, 160, even, you know, save yourself that five pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like honestly, again, getting back to the skateboarding aspect and, and I even <laughs> said back then when he missed, I was like, I don't think we need to hit the panic button yet on Jalen Turner. This is the first time he's missed. And, um, it's, you know, if you make it a habit, that would be one right. thing. Um, but he hasn't missed. So I think, you know, let's just chill a little bit on that. Um, I just think it was almost like we were all waiting with bated breath for him to miss. Dude, when like, you see pictures of him next to Hamza yeah, and some of these other bigger. fighters, it's like, oh, you're bigger. There's no, there's no way you're making this. So yeah, I, I do think that's part of it. Yeah. And so, and, and I don't think, so getting back to it is I don't think given the last minute nature, he would have taken the fight at 55, uh, because he would have been well within his right. If he didn't know he could make it right mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm sure he's in shape ready to go he's been training out there uh and he spent a lot of time out there with hamzad in uh dubai or abu dhabi mm -hmm. wherever they are so i'm sure he's gonna add some new little wrinkles to his game and i'm just gonna pick off the assumption that he'll show up in shape ready to go on short notice um i do think turner may catch green here but again um 
Let me think. He could Grant I, Dawson it again too. That's the that's the crazy part about Bobby Green. Yeah, you know what though? Here, I think, given the last minute nature and the losing streak for Jalen Turner, I think he may uh, play it safe, play the long game. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Kind of just look to stay on the outside, reserve as much cardio because he is a guy that likes to come forward a lot, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, we saw that play against him in the hooker fight. So I just don't think he comes out necessarily. So I'll take Jalen Turner by decision because mm-hmm. um, I just think he may just look to play it a little safer than we've seen. I'll tell you what, though. I don't know why this didn't – I didn't. it didn't occur to me until just now. Do you remember that head kick he landed on hooker? I said it earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you yeah. say Yeah, yeah I, when we were talking. How did he – that's what I said. Nobody eats that but Dan Hooker. I was going to say, it, just, I don't know why that – I just must have been zoning out because I was not registering that. But he lands that on green. Oh, yeah, with hands down, yeah, you know, moving around. It's not like, like the DC leaning to the side. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to Jalen Turner's Instagram, he has a video on his Instagram page of that kick landing that somebody recorded from the crowd. The sound and the connect, and it's like it's from Hooker's back. So you see the foot like wrap around Hooker's head, mm-hmm. and you hear like it literally sounds like yeah. a baseball bat going off the side of Dan. And it's like, how the heck did this guy eat? Like, <laughs> it's just nuts, man. Like, nobody yeah. eats that early but Dan Hooker. Um, so we are going to move down the card, boys, into our one point fights. Just need a winner uh, for these. Unless you guys want to make them three, I'll leave that to you guys. Game cool. time decision. That could be interesting. It's up to you guys. It's whatever for me. Let's do it. All right. Let's just do it. All right. Here we go. We've never done this before. <laughs> Our next previewed bout, boys, and in the bantamweight division, number eight, Rob Font welcomes the former flyweight champion, Davison Figueredo, to 135 pounds for the first time. Let's start with Rob Font, who comes in just one and three in his last four. Uh, his last time out, he fell short, fell short, excuse me, in a very one-sided affair against Corey Sanhagen by unanimous decision. Uh, but just one fight before that, he had a very interesting finish over Adrian Yanez, who was a young, hungry contender looking to make his name off Font, much like Figueredo is going to do this Saturday, you know, trying to build himself here in this bandweight division with a guy like Rob Font um, on your uh, mantle. That's, that could be a big win for Davison in his debut. Mm-hmm. And as mentioned, Figgy will be moving up to the bandweight division. Uh, and more importantly, this will be his first opponent not named Brandon Moreno since 2020. <laughs> uh, so almost three years um, he has been with that guy as his uh, opposite him in the cage. Uh, he's coming off the quadrilogy series uh, with Moreno, uh, with the last one being back in January where Figueredo lost by third-round TKO doctor stoppage. He's been on the sidelines due to a medical suspension, but returns here in a tough debut matchup in his new weight class. John, who do you got? Uh, so I think this could potentially be fight of the night um, just because of the the striking that both of these guys have. Um, if Font can land that jab early and often, he should be able to keep Figgy away from landing the big bombs. But I also think that Figgy holds an advantage on the ground. Um, I like Figgy with the, the less weight cut. Uh, obviously, he kind of played with the idea of going back down again, and then that fight got canceled with Manel Cops, so now we're here. Um, but I do like Figgy with having more ways to win. Um, and I will say... First round TKO, Figgy. Mm. So, yeah, I like Davison as well. I think this is going to be really interesting to see if the power carries over at 35. This is his first fight at 35, right? He's, he's, yeah, never yeah. fought at 100. Um, so, I do think he has more tools here than Font. And I think given how Font's looked as of late, it, 
you know, Font's got the chance to land something big, I would say. Um, but Figgy just has more tools. So I, I like to see him implement a lot of wrestling here because I think that's where he definitely has the advantage. But also want to see him let those hands go, man. I just want to see how he does at this new weight class, maybe a little bit more rejuvenated, still being able to carry over the power. So I'll take Davison as well. I will say second round submission. I'm very shocked here. I'll be <laughs> honest. I hate this matchup for Davison Figueredo mm. in his Bantamweight debut. Uh, you know, when a fighter moves up, uh, you always wonder how they're going to deal with the physicality of a bigger weight class and who more physical to walk him up or walk him into this division than Rob Font. Um, I know I mentioned it um, in the rundown, but I'm curious to see Figueredo as well in a fresh matchup. I mean, he has spent almost the past three years only training for one guy and Brandon Moreno, who is nothing like Rob Font, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, so there is a chance that you know he kind of needs one fight out of to get one fight out of the way. I mean, um, to just get used to being opposite someone new. I don't know. We'll see. But mm-hmm. I mean, there is a possibility. You know, you talk about the sport passing people up sometimes, and I don't want to say his career has been stale or stagnant. But I mean, three years preparing for just one guy with one right. thing on your mind uh, to beat a certain style. It's like. Maybe as he let other things fade, you know, other aspects of his uh, Go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say certain style. Like, I feel like Moreno is a kind of an all-encompassing MMA fair. fighter, it's right? Like he, so look at those fights, right, too. Sure. There's wrestling, kickboxing, yeah. jiu-jitsu. Like, and then Rob Font, not the most perfect, prolific wrestler um, or grappler. We just saw him get out-wrestled by Bryce Mitchell. So that's I guess that's why I'm not trying to, like, Corey cut Sanhagen. you off. But Sorry, uh, Sanhagen. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I—, I I guess that's just where I was, where I'm well, thinking. But I, even yeah. in terms of the matchup itself, though, I, I find it very interesting. You guys are giving Figueredo such a grappling advantage here. Yeah. Um, you know, Rob Font struggled with the takedowns, as you mentioned against Sanhagen. Um, but look at where Corey Sanhagen's wrestling has evolved mm-hmm. to, right? I mean, you could argue Sanhagen is one of the better. 135 pound wrestlers right now who's mm-hmm. not a Dagestani guy. Right. Um, you know, maybe Ricky Simone, but I mean, we've seen Sanhagen dominating guys in that aspect, and I just don't think that's going to be an issue here for Rob Font. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Rob Font's jujitsu, we mentioned it last time in the uh, picking for that Sanhagen fight, is he's a really good scrambler. Mm-hmm. His jujitsu is no slouch on the ground, not terrible off his back either. Um, and uh, I think if he's coming forward and being aggressive with his stand-up and just moving Figgy backwards, I think he's going to find success here. So I am going to go Rob Font. Um, I'll say I would not be shocked to see him finishing Davis and Figueredo. Um, I'll say third-round TKO, KO-TKO mm-hmm. for uh, Rob Font. Yeah, really surprised. Though. Well, I guess with Figgy, I mean, like, he has submission finishes. Like He, use, he utilizes his submissions. And most people just kind of see him as throwing bombs. But I think if he can hurt Rob Font Rob and get on that neck. I just don't even know how much of a speed advantage. I mean, Rob Font is fast, man, too. And that jab that he has. And, and to use that as a, a range finder here. And it, I just think if he comes in and just is a you know a bigger physical and, po- and uses his experience at Bantamweight, I think it's just a really tough. Well, and I think for Figgy, I have to give him credit for having really big wins against high-level competition. Sure. As well, obviously in a different weight class, that, but and, and, Brandon Moreno is one of the most well-rounded fighters on the on, but he's on a the roster. Fiver and he's very small, a lot smaller. Right, but than he's Rob, fast. And I'm meaning Brandon Moreno. Yeah, not but he, he's dealt with that hand speed as well. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm okay with giving Figueredo the speed advantage. But I'm saying I just don't think it's going to be that jarring. I mean, I just I feel like this is a a really uh, tough. Said again, a tough first fight. But I mean, it makes sense in terms of like mm-hmm. the rankings and things like that. But. Um, I just think there's a lot easier fights for figure eight. I guess I'm also looking at Figgy as you're kind of only preparing to deal with boxing for the most part. I don't, I would disagree with that. I mean, I don't think Rob Font's going to like shoot on him by any means. Um, 
But I think if Figueredo, like even if Figgy shoots, I don't know if he's going to be able to take him down as easily. I right. Mean, it's just, I don't know. It's I guess gonna, I guess when I look at somebody, like if you're dealing with a Sanhagen who now has wrestling, who has, you know, flying knees, sure. he does kind of a different toolbox. You have to, I feel like you have to train for a little bit more, whereas Rob Font, if you can stay away from the jab, you know, getting to your own game, it makes it a little bit easier because the jab is how he kind of sets off his whole. Yeah. When he went, when he looks good, the jab's working. When he's not, the jab doesn't. Well, I think the biggest knock on Rob Font is he has struggled against the bigger opposition, and then he had that one uh, hootie fight. He had that stinker, man. He just didn't really show up at all in the fight. He missed weight. I think it was the Cheeto Vera. It was either the Aldo or the Vera fight where he missed weight and just kind of got burned bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say it might have been the Aldo fight. I can't remember. But I think if he shows up, he's motivated. I, I really think he can have a lot of success here um, at this division. It'll be a big win for him to get back into it after being one and three. Yeah, it just I, I will say, too, if Figueredo does beat him, um, I think he's a legitimate now. Not, not that Bantamweight needs another contender. Right. Uh, but that, this is going to be a very legit win for Figueredo if he does pull this off because mm-hmm. usually guys that beat – Rob Vaughn are only guys that are competing for world titles. Right. So, uh, moving now, boys, to our final featured bout, number nine, Sean Brady welcomes Kelvin Gastelum back to the welterweight division. And we will start with Brady, who comes into this fight off his first ever professional loss against Bilal Muhammad in October of last year. Brady went 15 and 0 in his pro career, which include uh, which included five straight UFC wins before running into Bilal, his opponent. Kelvin Gastelum returns to the weight class that built his UFC career. Gastelum started his UFC run 4-0 as a welterweight before a string of weight misses forced him to move up 15 pounds to the middleweight division. And it's been a rough run as of late for Gastelum as he has lost five of his last seven at middleweight. Uh, But after an almost two-year layoff, he beat Chris Curtis by unanimous decision back in April to snap a two-fight losing streak. It will be interesting to see how he adapts back into the weight class, especially against one of the top prospects in Sean Brady. Um, So let's move to our final pick. John, who you got? Uh, I think this is going to be a huge test for Brady, especially like you said, coming off this first loss, um, seeing how he rebounds from that. Um, Kelvin has faced a who's who in the UFC. Obviously, it faced Izzy. He's fought almost every other ranked, it seems like, except for maybe the top three or four guys because he has had some struggles um, in middleweight. It will be interesting to see how he looks cutting back down to welterweight after basically having to move up to middleweight because of that. I mean, he's um, who was his um, nutritionist? They always make memes about. Oh, was it Dolce? Yeah, the Dolce diet. And he just kind of became a, a, a meme for fighters that are too big for a weight class. So it'll be interesting to see what that cut looks like for him after being so long at middleweight. Um, but I do like Brady to bounce back here. I think he'll wear down on Kelvin with his wrestling. Um, and that weight cut could play um, a, a good part into getting him down to that. So I will take Sean Brady, I will say, by decision. So this is the one for me, like when I went through this card where I honestly just, I have no clue. Like I'm mm. really not sure. To me, there's too many like tangible or I intangibles, well, I guess. It's kind of like the font and Figueredo. You just have yeah. no idea what Figueredo, I mean, Figueredo could come into that fight with font, filled but, out, looking stronger, faster than, I but mean, it, you just don't but know. But even with Figgy, you're like, we're at least looking at a former world champion sure. coming into a new weight class, right? Yeah. Whereas with this, we're looking at, okay, Brady coming off this weird loss to Bilal, which now looking at Bilal, having been Gilbert and like kind of where he's at, it's like, okay, you know, Bilal might just be that guy. But at the same time, I, I'm a still a big believer in Sean Brady. I think he has a ton to offer this sport in this division. So um, 
But that being said, man, Kelvin Gaslam is not an easy out for anybody. Mm. But he's got some weird losses as well. He's been submitted by Chris Weidman. He's been submitted by Jack Hermanson. So if Brady can implement the wrestling and get him down, I really like his chances there. But I And then again, you got Gaslam with the weight issues, and now he's coming back down. I don't like that when fighters go back and forth. That really bothers me. Um, and this has been a long career for Kelvin. So I'm going to lean ever so slightly uh, Sean Brady here. And what did you take, John? Decision. That's a good pick, too, because Kelvin's so hard to finish. But he's been submitted, um, so I'm going to take Brady. I will say I don't like this pick. I'm not confident in it. But I'm going to say second-round submission for Brady. Boy, these scores are going to be interesting come next Monday. I love Kelvin moving back down. Um, And I say that because this isn't a middleweight trying to move down to have a size advantage and rejuvenate his career. The reason why Kelvin struggled at middleweight, and especially as of late, is because he's always been a welterweight, right? He just needed that work that work ethic and the focus and everything to align the diet. But he seems to have found both of those and all of that really under Henry Cejudo and his fight-ready MMA uh, team there in Arizona. Look down on Instagram. He looks to be in phenomenal, phenomenal shape, does Kelvin Gastelum. Um, this is probably another one, honestly, like the Jalen Turner. I wish I could make this pick post weigh-ins uh, to make sure that what I'm seeing passes you know, the eye test. Um, but I am going Gastelum here. I really like what we saw from him in that last fight against Chris Curtis. Um, and I think his time at middleweight against much larger opponents will help him here against a super, super tough and strong Sean Brady. Um, I think Brady may have a really hard time getting Kelvin, Kelvin down. Kelvin doesn't get dominated in wrestling. I mean, he does, I know you said you think Brady can get him down. Brady's not a prolific takedown artist. Um, and Kelvin is a really good counter wrestler really good wrestling defense and if kelvin can keep it standing um we just saw sean brady get pieced up by Bilal muhammad does anybody not think kelvin gasolum is a better striker than Bilal muhammad i think it's going to be a huge problem for sean brady if kelvin can keep this on the feet uh kelvin also as brandon mentioned super durable hits like a freaking truck i think he's going to catch sean brady in this fight um i like him here i'll say i'll say second round kotko kelvin gasolum Welcome yeah, back to welterweight. I, I'm more leaning on if the if the weight cut doesn't go right. I just feel like. But see, that's like the Jalen Turner. I said that in the Turner. It's like you just can't but, pick on that. Though. But Kelvin has a history of it though I at understand. welterweight. I, I mean, I understand. The that. reason he didn't, he is a welterweight at middleweight, but it's because he couldn't keep his weight in that range. I would say if you go to his Instagram, you'd feel pretty. Jalen Turner looked really good when he missed weight on his. You last went to his fight. Instagram and looked. No, at I him watched before. on the embedded. His coach was like, "Oh, this is some of the best he's ever looked. He's in shape." I, I think, and then he misses weight. I think if you look at Kelvin, he looks lean, thinned out. I mean, and he doesn't look like miserable either. The other, so the other thing for me is this is a moment for Brady to show he can adjust, right? So he he is he was undefeated. And he ran into Bilal and he kind of got stuck yeah. at, you know, stuck with a guy he couldn't take down and then got, as you said, completely pieced up. Yeah. Guy, don't disagree with you there. And remember, Bilal Muhammad literally got off the couch uh, to come fight him, I believe. Wasn't that the last minute? Oh, no, that was Gilbert. That was Gilbert. Mm-hmm. He came off last minute. Sorry, that was Gilbert. Apologies. But then he goes out and beats Gilbert, right? So Bilal... I- He's, a, he's in a different category now, sure. right? Like when what we thought he was when he beat Brady. Um, so and for me, I'm interested to see if Brady can make those adjustments to be more proficient in terms of getting it to the floor if he's not liking where he's at. Brady also hits hard too. Yeah, um, yeah. Like he had a couple good moments like hitting with, with Bilal where he was able to land some pretty heavy shots, but Bilal, not a guy who... I mean, the way, yeah, just the way Bilal was just walking yeah, him down again, and will. Again, not discrediting that, but I'm just saying I think Brady has power in his hands. That's not where he needs to keep this fight, yeah. but I I think he has just as much capability to use that as another tool to get it to the floor, right? If you can sure. get Kelvin just thinking about the hands a little oh, bit, yeah. that makes the takedown there. I just I want to see Brady 
with a drastic improvement on his ability to get the fight to the floor. I just think Brady is just so much stronger than a lot of guys, and that's mm-hmm. a lot of where his success in getting fights down comes from. And I don't think he's going to have that here necessarily against Kelvin, man, because he um, now. I mean, and 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 I mean, hey, this is Sean Brady who beat Craig Jones right in a in a grappling match, so he he can beat bigger opponents. And I do think if if he can get Kelvin down, it's going to be really mm-hmm. really rough days for Kelvin Gastelum, but. Like I said, man, Kelvin doesn't necessarily just get out wrestled by a lot of people. So Chris Weidman, Chris Weidman, right? But again, a middleweight and a bigger yeah. middleweight, mm-hmm. a guy that's fought at two hundred five. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't been impressed with Kelvin very much. How are you not impressed by the Chris Curtis performance? Because it's Chris Curtis. We're not talking about Bilal Muhammad, who's a top five fighter. I mean, outbox Chris Curtis, right? But like what I'm saying is, he hasn't been doing that against none of the top at middleweights. He's not a middleweight. But I'm saying that the level of the level of people he's looked good at isn't the same level but, as where Sean Brady is to me his, right now. His losses, other than the submission loss to Jack Manson, which yeah. was rough. I mean, decision to Canyon, decision to Whitaker, decision to Adesanya, which we all know how that fight went. Mm-hmm. Um, split decision to Till. Like it's not like he's getting. Where's out. Darren Till now? But my point is, he's not. That was also pre. Who's also 70, probably a welterweight who's at 70, middleweight. Uh, Seventy injury, Darren Till can't even you know function right now, Darren Till. I just don't see them in as in the same places in the division currently. Mm. I don't know. We'll see, John. Let's get into the news. Going on the news. Uh, going on the news. Uh, uh. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. The news. <laughs> Alrighty, we're going to jump into this Bellator PFL stuff. Um, essentially, I'm going to start reading this off, and if you have a point you want to cut in, just let me know. Um, Ugh. You're just going to read it? I mean, I have the the points okay. of what's happening. Um, so Monday the 20th, they announced that PFL has officially purchased Bellator. Um, they said that now that PFL and Bellator combined rosters equal to the UFC is what they're saying, saying that both rosters have 30% of the top 25 world-ranked fighters. Um, PFL champions and Bellator champions will be facing off in a landmark mega event in 2024. Um, all the Bellator fighters will be coming a part of the PFL platform and be available for their fight franchises. Bellator will be reimagined in 2024 as the Bellator International Championship Series, which will be one-off events. Um, this series will consist of eight fight events throughout the year hosted in major cities across the globe. And each Bellator event will feature two compelling co-main events is what they're calling it. There will be uh, championship fights. Um, the addition of Bellator now means PFL has five, uh, fright franchises, the PFL league season, PFL pay-per-view super fights, PFL challenger series, PFL international leagues, and now Bellator. Um, with this Bell or PFL plans to do 30 premium MMA events a year. Yeah, I mean, I, I told you guys earlier, like, there's just so much here uh, to kind of unpack with this. It's like, I just don't even really know where to start. Um, I guess we can kind of start with what we like about this, right? I mean, this is obviously, you know, anytime a merger like this happens with two major promotions, like, you know, UFC buying Pride and UFC buying Strike Force. I mean, there's it's always a big deal, right? We just haven't seen it outside of the UFC, right? So first off, you know, you got to give credit to PFL for that, like purchasing a company like Bellator, you know, because UFC probably could have done this, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they could have came and absorbed that roster. There's a ton of big name fighters that people want to see in the UFC. So you know, credit to PFL for getting this done. This is massive. It's massive for the fighters. I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of money to be made here for, you know, guys not in the UFC. I mean, we just saw Patchy Mix last week, um, you know, basically say, I ain't going nowhere. I love <laughs> this. I mean, I'm making good yeah. money. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, uh, PFL, um, 
the finale or the yeah the season finale this past Saturday. Um, uh, who was it? Oh, Impa Kasang and I mm-hmm. said I am. You know, I thank God every day that the UFC cut me. I'm so thankful. I love, I'm making, you know, he's a millionaire, right? Impa Kasung and I, not saying he never would have made a million dollars in the UFC, but would have taken him a very long time, mm-hmm. a guy like that, to make a million dollars. Um, so I think this is really huge for the sport. It's, I think we're going to see a lot of, a lot more movement now. Creates a lot of fun. I love the cross-promoting between the two promotions, like mm-hmm. PFL versus Bellator champions. That whole card is going to be so exciting, so fun to watch. Because that's all we want, right? I mean, as fans, we, we've begged the UFC to do a Bellator versus UFC, or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know it's, again, again, it's still not UFC, but, I mean, still just phenomenal i mean this is going to be really big for the sport in general so i i guess one of the things for me is i've seen this getting touted as the like this making pfl the second like basically the second biggest mma promotion Mm -hmm. in the entire world um would you guys like where do you stand on that like they're like they're really pushing this merger as putting pfl like right next to ufc in terms of product and Mm -hmm. kind of everything I, I'm not saying that I can think that's never going to happen. Um, I just wonder if we're kind of like jumping the gun as far as how big this is. I understand that it's big. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to deny that with Bellator like being absorbed. But as far as it being on the same playing field as UFC, what do you guys think about that? So I feel like that's kind of, yeah, no way. I mean, so that this is, I, I guess, not really getting into the cons of it. But like kind of like taking it that next step. I think the biggest problem here is... How many times have these co- have have we seen companies try to you know we're gonna we're gonna go after the UFC we're gonna try to make a push to go at that top spot? The problem is like I just don't think it, it's kind of like the NBA is with basketball or NFL is with football because same thing like we've seen XFL the USFL mm-hmm. like all these other things that try to like not necessarily go at the NFL but try to be these like breakaway leagues and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, especially more so um, with these with the UFC than some of those other sports leagues that I mentioned, is the UFC is mixed martial arts. And, yeah. you know, most people don't probably don't even realize, you know, and this is very casual fans, that there are even other, like, top mm-hmm. promotions out there. Everybody probably just thinks the MMA UFC. fighters are UFC fighters. Yeah, or, and it's going to be really hard for anybody out there to, like, kind of dispel that and, and to break into, like making some of these stars household names. Like, I mean, they have Francis Ngannou, which mm-hmm. is going to help a lot. Yeah. Um, but even as we've talked about, the biggest issue with Francis Ngannou is who is he going to fight? Right. Ryan Bader, you know? Right. Uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Fajeda or mm-hmm. uh, who just won? I mean, you know, who who is he going to fight? And right. so, you know, you're only as good sometimes in that sense, too, as your opposition. Um, but yeah, I, so that's kind of what I would say. Yes, definitely. They are a clear second now. I mean, nobody's mm-hmm. going to rival or I think disagree with that necessarily. Um, but it's just how big can it be in that? Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know because again, getting to the PFL finale, there's a lot of open seats there mm-hmm. and this is their big season finale off the big news of Bellator, you know, this big merger, you got Bellator champs in the house and doing all these fun face-offs and, still didn't sell tickets and that's kind of, i mean dana white i mean he's that he said that the whole time like bellator and pfl they can't sell tickets like they don't mm-hmm. sell pay-per-views um it's just gonna be really tough man mm. so they're they're up against it i don't yeah. know if that answers your question yeah i mean pretty much yeah like you said like you agree they're second but as far as matching ufc yeah, they're just, not 
too close to that yet. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, I think that, you know, Bellator was a, a clear second, so absorbing them automatically makes sure. you, you know, it pushes you further ahead like a 1FC, um, who I would argue was probably like a 4, with P, or PFL and them are probably interchangeable at certain points, one especially on an international. Shot. I didn't think about 1, yeah, because, I mean, Asia is massive. So. Now, if that, if that conglomerate can somehow get a hold of 1, which... I've seen that they've had some issues with their financial side of things. Yeah. They on a on a global scale, they could get really really big yeah. um for what one's been able to do out there, but I do think they do have some chips like a Francis or even, you know, now bringing some marquee matchups with some of the Bellator people that people wanted to see on PFL, but I think that this really just kind of um gave the PFL some top level talent where they had had a couple guys but just not enough to really feel like they're even comparable. I so in terms of like getting into the flat out cons, I will say one thing that I do not like about this deal. I do not like that they're remaining separate entities. I think why um why compete with yourself in that sense? You know, like why still have Bellator and PFL? I mean, sure, fair enough. They're going to do the cross. You know, you can go fight. Sounds like you can kind of fight wherever in right. a sense. But to run like the same show but under a different name, I feel like that can get so confusing again because we're trying to we're trying to reach like hardcore MMA fans can differentiate what's Bellator, what's PFL, but you're trying to reach the masses here. And you don't want to confuse people where it's like, well, one week I'm seeing this guy in this promotion and now he's over here fighting this champion. And, and like I said, like why compete with yourself? Well, to me, I, I guess what I would say to that is I think it maybe offers the fighters a little more flexibility in terms of where they want to go or what they want to do. Now, I understand it's different when I, I'm going to bring up my, what I'm thinking through is like one and they have, you'll see one card and you'll see submission fights. You'll sure. see Muay Thai fights, kickboxing fights, and MMA fights. Right. So now it's all under the one banner. I understand that. But you're still seeing a bunch of different things sure. kind of getting thrown at you. But it's still one FC. Right. But that gives fighters who maybe don't want to fight MMA sure. and they only want to be submission right. grapplings have the ability to have this platform. So with the two entities, yeah, it's two different names, I guess you could say. Maybe there's going to be differences in terms of rules or different things like that. But it still gives fighters an easier way to try new things, so to speak, be flexible in terms of what they can do. Whereas if you go fight for UFC, look, what you see is what you get. Like there's no flexibility there. Um, with, with this, with two entities, you have a little bit of flexibility as a fighter to do something different. But I think, sense? yeah, but I think you can still do that under like, if it was just all PFL, because you can do, you know, PFL challenger series, PFL contender, whatever. And, and, but you can just do, you're going to have a massive roster. You can just do more shows. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to do like, I know PFL has kicked around the idea of doing grappling only kind of stuff and things like that. So, you know, you can offer that stuff. Just call it PFL. Like, I, I just don't understand the, the, the point of, cause now you still have three, you know, major, uh, promotions, you know, but two of them are the same. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I just feel like they can kind of, I mean, they're, they're way smarter than me about business, but I well, just, what I was going to say is I feel like it's because Bellator has a brand recognition in, in America that PFL just doesn't have, <clears throat> like, you know, we went to Chicago to watch a, a big event and it was, you know, there was a, that, that little stadium was full of people who were there to see Bellator. I don't know if PFL does the same thing. So maybe keeping Bellator in certain cities, because they said they're doing major cities only eight events yeah. a year and then title fights within the main event and co-main event. So one, I think it's a Bellator because they're recognizable, but two... Right now, they don't currently have a system to where they can do title fights outside of the season finale. That's here, their champion. But here's my problem with what you said there is 
you've seen the best in the world, the UFC, right, buy two separate major MMA promotions, right. and they didn't keep Strike Force around for a year or two. They didn't keep Pride right. around. They folded them immediately. But they were bigger than the companies they bought, though. What do you mean? PFL isn't bigger than Bellator to me. So UFC was bigger uh, than Pride and bigger than Strike yeah, Force at the time. I mean, they may be. I don't. I couldn't even give you an accurate reading. We don't know that for sure. Who's I think bigger. this is how I, especially Strike Force. Yeah. UFC was definitely bigger than Strike Force I mean, to me. Yeah, no, no, for sure. But yeah. I'm saying, like, look at the company that you're chasing and who's done it successfully right. twice now. And it's not like they kept the other promotion around for a year or two or, well, we're just going to put them in major, like, mm -hmm. we're just going to put you know, pride in Japan or major Asian cities, right. you know, like, no, like you, you just fold it, you absorb it and you start putting on super fights under your banner. Mm -hmm. And I, I just don't understand the point of like keeping them. And around. they might try to keep the Bellator belts to have something to throw into main events outside of stuff too. Can I just don't find it? Cause then not it, saying it's the right thing to do. That's yeah, where because, I'm thinking their minds probably. Yeah. PFL season is over. Right. You're going to do this major crossover thing in February champion versus champion that's how you find your champions. Like you're doing the championship fights anyways. Mm -hmm. So you find out who the best is. You can still run, you know, a season concurrently with continuing to do pay-per-view cards with both rosters. I don't know. I just feel like they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit because why continue to run a whole separate promotion? And it's mm -hmm. almost like you're competing with yourself. Right. Um, the PFL finder, Don Davis did mention, um, with the Bellator being a one-off product, that is something that he thinks would better suit certain fighters like an Anthony Pettis, who maybe isn't set up to do a season, but doing you know two fights a year through the right. Bellator one-off. That's what I'm saying. You can still run your season concurrently, right? While doing super fight cards, you know, you could do your you know Friday night. You can hey, the season is on Friday night, and then we're gonna do these big pay-per-view super fight cards on Saturday with your Anthony Pettis's and Francis and God because these guys right. ain't gonna do seasons. But you're just you know? saying right. put it under the same band. That's yeah, yeah. Saying. Like I just, I feel like they're just kind of like it's gonna, it's gonna. I would just, call, I just feel like it's gonna create some confusion in terms of like, I just saw this guy fighting under this thing, and now mm -hmm. he's over here. Like I don't really fully get it. He did say that they're gonna meet up with every fighter on both rosters to talk about if they're more suited for the season or more suited sure. for the one-offs, and um, and also what's more suited for the fans. So it'll be interesting to see where they kind of put people. Yeah. Because you know, if a guy's in a season, he's probably not gonna want to break away and do this. You know, fighting. Vancouver or something when he knows yeah. he has a million dollars sitting over here to you know stay on the track for it, it's just weird to me I mean even looking at like again the people that have done this successfully but like look at like a Vince McMahon again it, when he bought WCW WCW didn't you know he folded it I mean kind of right. kept it around and, and Mer you know did the whole thing for a minute the WCW versus WWF <laughs> or whatever but right. that was for storyline and things like that but it was all the same and then but like kind of similarly 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 I can't say it what I'm saying is how it's almost like SmackDown and Raw, but mm -hmm. it's all under WWE. You can still do two different things, but just kind of creating two different yeah. umbrellas. I don't understand. And I purpose. seen him. I seen the CEO also mention like the reason they have it. They they're not going to do like a bantamweight in a middleweight season yet, is because he basically feels Patchy Mix and Johnny Eblen are yeah. two of the bigger stars that they're getting sure. out of this. So they kind of want to wait to kind of build that up better. Yeah, like I said, I still think the season's a fun concept that you can do with your, you know contenders and guys that you're kind of trying to build up but like unless somebody like a you know like like unless some of these like patchy mix and evelyn want to do this season mm -hmm. just create another option well what you them. do is you just adopt the grand prix the guy who wins that gets to fight for the title the guy who wins that still gets a million dollars but he's the interim champ basically I, and i just find it so weird that like when they do this challenger thing like 
champ versus champ, somebody's going to lose. Right. So if you're the Bellator champ and you just lost to the PFL champ, well, you're still the Bellator champ. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it does kind of seem like wrestling, like WWE ish, where it's like, does this belt, which belt really matters? What's the belt you want to have? Like, I, it just creates so much, can, like, oh, I'm the Bellator. Well, I'm the PFL and if, champ. And then if, like, like down cares? the road, PFL keeps winning, then it's like, well, what does that mean for the Bellator what is guys? It? Yeah. Like, yeah. The only thing, well, you're burying your Bellator, mm-hmm. you know, you're, and then people are going to look at Bellator as a lesser, like, I don't know i just that's my only knock on it i just mm-hmm. feel like make it all one company and then build from there yeah the only thing similar would be like the rise in bellator thing where their champions would face each other and i don't think the belts but change those are hands separate in those. entities yeah you know what so, I mean? and, separate completely separate companies yeah right. that's what i'm saying it just it, it makes more sense to me when you've seen it done a certain way and be successful like why wouldn't you just try to follow suit mm-hmm. with that you know what i mean i don't know but i will say i'm really excited to see what this shakes up <clears throat> you know even for dude if i'm a fighter on like in the ufc right now and i've got like two or three fights left in my contract what a what a time to be a free agent Mm -hmm. you know like you're definitely fighting your contract out now and then think about like Derek lewis like dude why the heck would you resign like you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i mean just to not even entertain you know some of these other offers or whatever they must have just thrown some stupid money at Derek lewis for sure yeah you probably got the like i said they probably got if they were looking at trying to find sign francis and john jones whatever was left after john jones they probably just gave it to him like (sighs) i don't know man just to keep him away um just to fast forward to last friday how you'd mentioned with the season finale um you you mentioned that the bellator champions were there either in person or through video um they did some face-offs with some of the winners um uh OAM winning the lightweight champion talked about retirement after. So yeah, he said he feels like that was it. Yeah. So, um, obviously, you know, him and Clay Collard went to war a little bit. OAM kind of seems like he was trying to get through the fight. It didn't seem, um, I feel like overall, this was not a great night for PFL. I I told you, I, I think this was less than ideal. You know, you make this major announcement, you had, there's no UFC. You got a lot of mixed martial arts eyes on you, fans, people tuning in to check the product out. Um, and these the fights didn't really deliver most of them. And then Fajeda was good, the yeah, heavyweight champion. It just um it just was a little but I and but I told you guys and and I feel this way about the PFL is like I just also cannot imagine the stress and pressure that these fighters are under because winning and losing is the difference of a million dollars and probably like 25 or 30,000 to show. Well, so and to like, be into this championship match later down the road of yeah. getting a chance at these Bellator guys. And I feel like some of the fights, I'm not saying the guys weren't going for it, but a lot more caution, you know, like they were, you know, everybody was trying not to lose. You know, everybody wanted to win, obviously. And the fight just kind of played out. Just like I said, it's a little less. And I mean, look at like Larissa Pacheco, you know, who mm-hmm. has just been killing women yeah. as of late. And uh, same thing, man, that fight. I mean, it was a fun fight. It was back and forth. That and knee stuff, bar. But like, Oof. yeah. And that could have affected that a lot as well. She had to have her. I think she's her. the biggest winner of that, of Friday night. Yeah. She's the first two division champion for PFL and, uh, obviously, lower on the card, Kayla Harrison got her win against Aspen Ladd, but yeah. she called for Chris Cyborg, but the CEO of PFL is saying, no, the girl who beats you and is our two-division champion is who right. we want to match up for yeah. Cyborg, and that's a huge fight for Larissa. Yeah. Um, and then also, I just wanted to mention um, Derek Brunson. Obviously, he had a really dominant um, uh, debut yeah. against Ray Cooper, called out Jake Paul afterwards. Seems like he's trying to get those big money fights. And then... Uh, Biago or Biagio Ali Walsh, um, yeah. Muhammad Ali's grandson. You didn't won. say who won the champions. Oh yeah, well it seemed like you kind of was wanting to skip past it a little bit, but 
Um, OAM won the champion for lightweight. Uh, Fajeda won the heavyweight championship and looks to potentially face Ryan Bader or Francis. Larissa Pacheco, like I said, she won the featherweight. Uh, Magomed Magomed Kermanov. Magomed Magomed Karamov. Karamov, okay. Magomed Magomed Karamov wins the welterweight title um, for the second time, and he faced off with Jason Jackson, the Bellator champion. Impa Kasanganai. 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 Won the light heavyweight champion, proceeded to call out Vadim Nimkov and Francis, Francis Ngannou, yeah. saying he could beat him at 215. Yeah. Like he could weigh 215 and beat him, but, I mean, he's 5-0 and since he's got over there, so he has all the um, all the juice there, too. Doubled down on it after the fight as well. Oh, yeah, on in the, the post-fight, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jesus Pineda, or Pinedo, secures the featherweight title in his upset victory after scoring huge underdog victories to lead up to this. Oh, dude, I think he's the biggest winner of this entire season. I mean, you beat Brendan Lognane and Bubba Jenkins. Both of them to get to this title fight came in off the content or the challenger series, as did Impa Kasanganai. That guy's story is uh, phenomenal. I mean, uh, is on the receiving end was of it the, the Buckley, the Joaquin Buckley, the Spin highlight back kick. kick. Yeah, he's on, that was that was Impa Kasanganai that got kicked with that. Uh, gets cut from the UFC. Came in on the contenders. Well. Fought on Dana White's contender series. Dana White was like, you know, hey, somebody sign this kid. He's going to be a star one day, whatever. They end up bringing him in. He gets knocked out by Buckley. Gets cut by the UFC. Um, sleeping in his car. His parents are immigrants from somewhere, and I can't remember. It's like a weird flag. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's sleeping in his car, you know, training out down in Florida. Gets into the PFL Challenger Series. Wins that, and then which got him into this season, and then is now... A uh, millionaire. Yeah, I looking mean, to just, fight, you know, uh, some of the best guys in the world. What a story, you know, that guy is. Uh, um, phenomenal. For Jesus Pinedo, he did get to face off with Patricio Pitbull in the cage, so yeah. that seems the, the matchup there. I mentioned Kayla Harrison got her win back. Um, she called for Chris Cyborg, but like I said, they look like they're going a different direction than that. Yeah. Um, I, I It's funny enough, man, like, talk about who Kayla Harrison is as far as a contender. I actually think... Larissa Pacheco. I'd rather see Larissa Pacheco mm-hmm. and Cyborg. I mean, I know Cyborg and Harrison has the story, right build, but like talk about two scary <sighs> Brazilian women. Just throwing leather. I love that matchup. Yeah. I mean, I like it more than the Kayla Harrison one. And I I actually told you guys, I think I think Holly Holm would give Kayla Harrison all she could handle. I yeah. genuinely believe that. I, I think it, she would be a rough fight for Kayla. I'm not saying Kayla Harrison wouldn't win, couldn't win, right. uh, but I think that'd be a great fight. Yeah, it seems like a, a an intro, like as big as PFL is starting to raise up, you would think Kayla Harrison would be like one of the first names attached to that. And then I just obviously think a, after losing, yeah, I just think a high level striker, striker, a high level level striker with, uh, you know. The wrestling that Holly has, and she's not, you know, terrible in that department in the grappling. I really think she'd give Kayla all she'd handle. Yeah. I really Cyborg and Larissa Pacheco throwing hands at each other. Yeah, is that's something gonna be scary. definitely sign me up for. Um, we got some some fight announcements and some just kind of details added to fight announcements. Uh, Volkanovski and Toporia will be announced to be facing in Anaheim, California. Um, December 9th, Song Yudong versus Chris Gutierrez, which was supposed to be taking place in Shanghai, will now be taking place at the Apex. Um, February 10th, Joe Pfeiffer will be facing Jack Hermanson. And then added to UFC 299, Pedro Munoz will be facing Kyler Phillips. And lastly, in boxing, David the Mexican Monster Benavidez wins by corner stoppage on Saturday night against Demetrius Andrade. 
The WBC super middleweight interim titleist will look to become undisputed if he can finally get his matchup with Canelo Alvarez. But as even said, if Canelo won't fight him and give him a chance to become undisputed, he will go up to 175 to try to fight Dimitri Bivol, who is the last person to defeat Canelo. Does he fight Canelo, though? I don't know if Canelo wants him. He wants to get that win back from Bivol and go up, but it would be a very, very tough fight for him. David Benavidez is the truth. Song of the week. Uh, Brandon actually suggested this one before we started, and I liked it, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, T.I., go get it. That's right. Nice. It's a good pick, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Really good pick. Uh, Brandon, what's your one for the people? Uh, I don't know. Nothing too crazy. Um, well, I guess I have that chess tournament this coming Saturday, so be posted. <laughs> ready ready for the, the post-tournament results Did next you get week. your jacket in the mail? No, I have to compete first. And what, do you, what do you think is a realistic outcome for you? Like realistic. Dude, that's the thing, man. I honestly have no idea. So I'm unrated. So I don't. So when I enter this tournament, I don't have an official ranking. So they're going to place me with I don't know who. Is it Indiana? Do you get ranked no, nationally? No, it's yeah, it's a national ranking. Okay. So like the people I'm facing, I'm assuming are going to be from Indiana. But the thing is, like I could get. I'm not even joking. I can get an eight year old kid who's been studying theory like crazy, who's going to just mop the floor with me, or I get some like sixty year old dude who's just doing it for fun. I'm hoping know. for the first. Yeah. Probably I, more likely. <laughs> I do have a question for you though. So since you're saying like a kid could really learn chess and just like dominate you, so are you saying that the whole chess not checkers thing isn't really accurate? No. So you think an eight year old kid could also beat you at checkers? Yeah, but not for the same reason. Mm, just wondering. Yeah, no, no. Well, how not? Because there's not, like, theory like that in checkers. Checkers is just kind of a, let's, like, connect four. Like, there's a little bit of strategy you can do, but it's pretty well understood who's going to win based off a few moves. Chess is way too big, way bigger than that. I just don't know if I want to be the 485,000th ranked chess player. Oh, no, America. it's not about that. So, <laughs> actually, think, think of it this way. So, like, an ELO I think ranking. I'd rather just stay unranked. So, one way to look at it, like, the, when I say rankings, I say ELO rankings. That's, like, a belt in jujitsu. So, 0 to 1,300 is, like, a white belt. 1,300 oh. to 1,600 is, like, a blue belt. And then you go up to 2,500, which would be, like, a black belt. So, okay. does that make sense? So yeah, if I, so if I, I beat, get it. If I beat somebody who's, let's say, 1,500, that means I'm... Not that bad. Like, I'm actually beating mm. somebody who's, like, a bluish, purplish belt at chess. So, so you get, do you occur points for wins? Yeah, wins and losses, based on who, what your opponent's ranking is, deters, determines what How many what points do you get for a win? It all depends. It's, mm. it, you have to just plug it into a calculator. Do you have, like, a pregame ritual you're doing? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just to see. Like, I'm not nervous at all. Like, for jujitsu, I get really nervous. You got your outfit picked out? No. Mm. Probably just t-shirt and mm. jeans nice. yeah, I'm, I'm with john i feel like that needs to uh, i'll take suggestions if you got okay. suggestions yeah i say a suit to be honest i think the less you have to think about that morning can you imagine just wearing a suit and just yeah <laughs> and kids wearing like a digimon shirt and just you never know man do you have a mantra or something to like calm yourself down like before a match well i'm not nervous so are you gonna Ten. listen to music probably today nice. is my day yeah probably, probably yeah. ti honestly yeah, yeah go get it yeah. yeah yeah i like it john what's your one for the people uh, my one for the people is for the card people out there i did see that top because tops is going to be doing their chrome for ufc 24 um really excited for that because those cards are always really cool and then the last thing is kind of similar to like a chess situation but over thanksgiving talking i, I uh, learned that espn does a excel games where they challenge people with difficult formulas to set up in Excel sheets, and it's actually on ESPN. So really? that's a thing. Because when at first the first person, are you in the Excel games? I thought they were trying to say X games, and I was like, oh, I was going to say X games mode. But then I was like, no, no, no. People are challenging people to do like hard things in Excel spreadsheets. So like, yeah. like what? What do you do? I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't use Excel. I know you have to use formulas to set certain stuff up, but it's basically like timed. Like, oh, you got to do this, this, and move this here and do that, and it's timed. And it's on like ESPN three type of thing. I actually looked it up. It's legit. What? 
you going to get into that? No. No? Mm-hmm. Are you not a big Excel guy? No, not at all. Computers, you nope. You don't use it for work? You don't, don't have Excel spreadsheets? Nope. Do you prefer spreadsheets or slideshows? <laughs> I prefer a notebook with, a, with a pen or pencil. Drawing out pictures. Yeah. Nice. Alrighty, boys. Come back next week. We will recap UFC Fight Night Austin and get you set up with our picks and predictions uh, for this coming Saturday's UFC Fight Night, headlined by Song Gidong versus Chris Gutierrez. Also has a new main event or co-main Anthony Smith versus Khalil Roundtree. And you know what? I'm gonna say this now. Let's next week. Hold on. Let me check. Make sure my math's right. Okay. Nine. Yeah. Let's next week, let's do our dream UFC 300 cards. Nice. So I want to know five fights that you guys would like to see for UFC 300. That aren't currently booked. They're not, yeah. Can't not, use anybody I'm, booked. Right, right. I want to see some fresh matchups. What would your dream UFC 300 fight card mm. be for next year? Till then, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace.